Last time we began the final chapter of Peter's second letter to the church and we, we read of both the judgment but also of the mercy which we will find in, in the return of the Lord. He's coming back. And, and, and last time Peter said in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, he said, But by the Lord's word the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly people. Well, that, that's judgment. <laughs> but he goes on and he says, but do not let this one fact escape your notice. Beloved, you know, Jesus commissioned Peter to tend to the church and he loves the church. And he says, beloved, don't let this escape your notice that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. And then in verse 9... Peter wrote, The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Amen. Thanks be to God. He's patient, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. There's the opportunity for all to be saved, but that requires a turning away from sin. And, and Peter continues this morning in verse 10. He says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away. They'll pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be discovered. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day, the coming of the day of God, looking for that, the hastening of that coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will pass away with a roar it's not going to be a secret. The elements of creation will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be discovered. The day of the Lord, it's a day of judgment. The prophet Joel would proclaim in Joel chapter 1, Woe for the day, for the day of the Lord is near, and it will come as destruction from the Almighty. And the Lord told his prophet Malachi in Malachi chapter 3, Behold, I am sending my messenger, and he will clear away before me. And the Lord, whom you are seeking, will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight, behold, he is coming. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? Ooh. These Old Testament prophets, they are pointing to the coming of the Anointed One. They're pointing to the coming of Messiah, Jesus, Messiah, the fulfillment of all that the prophets would speak. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. Well, where have we seen this before in the New Testament? Well, Matthew and Mark and Luke, those gospels all refer to this coming. And the day will be here before we know it. We've already seen pop-ups about how many days and weeks till Christmas, haven't we? <laughs> Christmas is coming. It'll be here before you know it. April 15th will be here before you know it. 
the day of the Lord will be here before we know it. And, and do you know that not even Jesus himself knows when the day of the Lord will be? Not even Jesus himself, regardless of what billboards try to tell you. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 35, Heaven and earth will pass away. Jesus has said this, but my words will not pass away. But about that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. We will have no warning. We'll have no heads up. Well, you know, actually, we've had warnings, haven't we? In, in Matthew 24, Jesus continues in verse 37, The coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. And Peter has referred to Noah in both of these letters. In those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. They're living life until the day that Noah entered the ark. And then they didn't understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. And at that time, there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the meal and one will be taken and one will be left. And, and Peter says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Question, how does a thief do his thievery? Well, a thief doesn't broadcast his plan, does he? <laughs> Jesus would continue... In Matthew 24, in verse 42, Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would have not allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you must be ready as well. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Peter says that the heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavens will, will disappear with a great noise. And, and verse 12 says, the heavens will be destroyed by burning. The elements will be destroyed with intense heat. These elements of creation, verse 12 tells us, they will melt with intense heat. The elements will dissolve. Isaiah 34, we read that all the stars of heaven will be dissolved. The skies will be rolled up like a scroll and all their stars will fall like withered leaves from the vine, like foliage from the fig tree in the fall. Imagine a, a beautiful summer night when there's not a cloud in the sky and you can look up. All those stars will fall. The word of the Lord to Micah in Micah chapter 1, the mountains will melt beneath him and the valleys will split apart and wax like wax before the fire, like water rushing down a slope. And, and Jesus, as we heard a moment ago in Matthew 24 verse 35, heaven and earth shall pass away. But my words will not pass away. I think we have a hard time if we're honest, we have a hard time with change, don't we? We have a hard time with things 
having a finite nature, a beginning and an end, and Jesus says that heaven and earth will pass away. All this ends. But <laughs> there's something better coming. Peter says, the earth and its works will be discovered. The works of the earth will be found. They'll be discovered. They'll be revealed. The earth and its works are going to be revealed, going to be found for, for destruction. There's going to be no hiding on that day. No hiding from the Lord on that day. And Peter says in verse 11, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, wow, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. It's interesting wording there. The coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. Since all these things are going to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you and I to be in, in holy conduct and godliness? This, this holy conduct, this holiness, this idea of being set apart for use by the Lord. When someone is set apart, sanctified, consecrated, set apart to be used by the Lord for His purpose. Holiness. And, and, and then godliness. There's a helps word study that, that says it's someone's inner response to the things of God. And, and it shows itself in, in reverence. So holy, godly conduct. Well, it's a logical question. If all this is going to happen to creation, if it's going to burn and going to melt and going to dissolve, then why does it matter how we live? Fair question. I'm all about logic. If you've come to know me at all, I don't mind asking logical questions. Why does it matter? Well, well, for one reason, we're called to live in such a way as to point others to Jesus. And the Lord wants His people to be set apart for Him. And that's always been the plan. That was the plan in the garden. Adam and Eve and, and Noah, the, the plan for... Abraham, all the promises which would be made. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, where we've seen the goodness and the faithfulness of God show itself time and time and time and time and time again. Mm. If we are a people in fellowship with the Lord, we are going to look and we're going to live differently. We're supposed to. And that should be our desire. Our lives being lived differently, they will point those around us to Jesus. Jesus, his, his last words in Matthew 28 were to go and make disciples. That, that's what we're called to do, to go and, and to make disciples. And, and I think it all boils down to this question. Why? Why would we ever want to live in such a way that implies that Christ died for nothing? If none of this matters, then, then Christ died for nothing. Should you and I be, be looking for the day of the Lord? Yes. Should, should you and I be hastening for the coming of the day of the Lord? Absolutely. And, and what Peter has stated here, he, he shared years earlier in a conversation which he and John, you remember John, 
they had with some folks in Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter 3, Peter said, But the things which God previously announced by the mouths of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, and he did on the cross, all these things which God has announced, he has fulfilled in this way. Therefore, Peter is telling these to whom he's speaking, therefore repent and return. He didn't say God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. He says repent and return. (laughs) So that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send Jesus, the Christ, appointed for you. Mm. And and Peter, Peter would preach this because... Because he heard Jesus pray the very same thing. Do you remember how Jesus taught us to pray? In in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, pray in this way. Our Father who who art in heaven, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as we pray and as we preach, this will hasten the coming of the day of God. And and Jesus would say later in Matthew 24, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to, to all the nations and then the end will come. So we should look for, we should anticipate, we should expect, we should await, we should desire the hastening of the coming of the day of God. The coming of the day of God. And this phrase only occurs here in Scripture. And, and the noun in that phrase, the noun, if you remember, noun is a person, place, or thing, or idea. The noun of that, the coming of the day, the coming, the word there is the word where we get the word Advent. Advent. The coming of the day of God is the second advent. Is the second advent. And Peter says, according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I told you that there would be something better, didn't I? We are to be looking for new heavens and a new earth. One in which righteousness dwells. We are to be looking because it's been His promise, according to His promise. The Lord says in Isaiah 65, For behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. Yeah, let me say that one more time. Write this down. Isaiah 65, verse 17. Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. We can't get our heads around that because if you're like me, at the heart of who I am, I am a sentimentalist. I remember a lot of things, good things. And the Lord has given us, the Lord has wired us for that. And the Lord knows because He tells us 
in Psalm 103, he says that we are dust. He knows how we're made, and he knows he's given us hearts and, and minds that are huge, and we have memories and oh, all this good stuff. But don't you think that if he's promised to bring something better, and he's telling us here that the former things will not be remembered, and they won't even come to mind, don't you think it's going to be something great? Wow. Mm. In the very same way that we're looking for his advent, in the very same way that we are to be looking for his advent, we are to be looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. We shouldn't be despondent about the heavens and the earth passing away. We've got a new one coming. And, and here's the thing about the new. And, and we should because the Lord has, has said so. He's promised it. And He's told us to expect it and to wait for it and to hasten it. And this is what He says. It's, it's new. And new is in not just fresh or unused. But it's new unlike anything that has ever come before. I can only imagine. You can only imagine. I'll be honest, I can't imagine that. Wow! A new earth, a, a new land, a new land where righteousness will dwell. And... There's a biblical definition of righteousness. It's justice, it's justness. The kind of righteousness of which God is the source and the author. And this righteousness of God will inhabit the whole of the new creation. It's a divine righteousness. It's a, it's a different kind of righteousness than to which we aspire. And let me explain that. We want to be good and true and noble and altruistic and kind and nice and well-meaning. It's good stuff. We're, we want to do that. But this is the kind of righteousness that it's different in the sense that we, we cannot attain it or practice it on our own. No matter how good we are or kind we are, we can't do it on our own. Each to his or her own. We, we are unable to perform, quote-unquote, this righteousness in our own power or in our own sufficiency. It's a righteousness which has been modeled for us, however. It's a righteousness which we should seek. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus says the following. He says, I, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as, as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body, as to what you will put on. Is, is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky that, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor, nor gather crops into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Or are you not much more important than they are? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single day to his life's span? And, and why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor, nor do they spin thread for cloth. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, King Solomon, in all his glory clothed himself 
like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and this is interesting, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. What is Jesus saying about our worries and our cares in this present creation? The grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace. The Lord's good creation, which we enjoy, we should enjoy in our time. This, this good creation of the Lord's, which is more glorious than all of Solomon's glorious treasure and finery, this creation will end. Jesus says, do not worry then, saying, what are we to eat, or what are we to drink, or what are we to wear for the clothing? The Father knows you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided to you. We are to seek his kingdom right now. We're about, we're to be about the things of him. We're to be about those things of God right now. Doesn't it make sense to, to invest in something that has eternal returns? So where do we begin or... or maybe begin again to invest in the new heaven and the, and, and the new earth which is not yet here. When, when we don't know how it's going to look. Well, regardless of, of however and whenever, we can draw near to the one who will be sovereign over it all. We can draw near to that one. You know, we've been given His Word. We've been given His Word to begin to get to know Him. We are promised the help of His Holy Spirit to know Him through His Word and to know His peace and, and to know His comfort. And, and we've been offered and given access to all of these magnificent and precious promises through what His Son did for us on the cross. Because of what Jesus has done, we are able to have what was a once broken fellowship with God. We're able to have all of that restored. But only because of, of what Jesus has done. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, we, we read that God made Jesus, who knew no sin the sinless Son of God, God made Jesus to become sin on our behalf so that we might have the righteousness of God in Him. Jesus takes our sin and gives us His righteousness. Dressed in His righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne of God only because of the righteousness which we have been given by Jesus that requires us to repent and to turn from our sin, give that sin to Jesus, and then in, in turn Jesus gives us His righteousness. We become the very righteousness 
of God. We are able to have this righteousness of God given to us once we confess our, our sin to Jesus and we ask Him to be, to be Lord. And it's that same righteousness of God which will dwell in the new heavens and the new earth according to the promise of the Lord. The coming of the day of God. The coming of the day of God. The second advent. You know, we celebrate the first advent at Christmas time, just a few months from now. The baby in the manger, the birth of salvation, the story which begins in the cradle, and this story will build to the, to the most powerful drama in history thus far, the cross, and then the empty tomb. And then, the ascension. And then, there's the matter. There's the matter of the second advent. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 27, that the Son of Man will come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will repay each one according to what He has done. The coming of the day of God. The second advent. The Son of Man will come and we await His coming. Advent, we await it. We anticipate it. He's going to come like a thief in the night. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you looking forward to that day? Are you able to say, Thy kingdom come.